welcome everyone to another wonderful episode of my weird little podcast. Hope you all have had a weird week. My week has been pretty normal, actually. Uh, nothing new. Roxana came to Vegas. Yay! Woo! For a little bit, so that was a little uh, weird. Weird, I guess. A little out of the the huge. You don't have people fly across to another state to come visit me often, so I'm quite flattered. Um, But yeah, that's uh, that's it. Um, We ate a lot of good food this week. Super good food. We went to Fremont and ate at the Triple George. Or is Roxana? (laughs) (laughs) Or is Roxana likes to call it the George George George? I can't say that. George George George. Yeah. I I can't say that. George George George. The jungle. There we go. There we go. I get it. Hey. All right. So, what else happened this week? What else have we done? We went to San Diego last week, and we did some investigating with Teresa. And the spirit box (laughs) called out called out Teresa's name. Yep. That's true. It also said fart. It also said fart multiple times. Yeah. So farts. Eggs. Smells. Smells. So yeah. Shirt. They did not say (laughs) shirt. Okay. (laughs) Lies. Um, Um. What else happened this week? What is what's new in the news? Um. Who are you talking to? You guys, uh, I, I, I know I'm not know. looking at either of you. you I'm like looking off in a space as I'm talking. Like, but... like in mystery and horror news or just in general? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm oh, what was that, that story? I need to look up. Kai, our friend Kai, shout out to Kai and Diana. Peppermill, body found in the Peppermill. Oh, yes. I need to talk about that. I didn't do any research. When I say I need to talk about it, I mean in a future episode, That's hopefully. Not, not tonight. Not tonight. I need to do some more research about really story, that. One I'm not going to tell you right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but tonight we're talking about some uh, spooky places. The one with spooky places. No, the one with paranormal places. The one Aliens. With- Aliens. Again. Should it just be aliens with two ex- exclamation points the, the, this time? The one with aliens again. Okay, yeah, one. aliens again. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> did we already do a weird one on aliens? Well, well we did. Well, so. there's going to be Skinwalker Ranch. Oh, yeah. I guess this one, mine is not all about aliens mm-hmm. this time. Mine isn't, but <laughs> mine. I guess, I guess we'll figure it out. Well, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I guess we'll decide along the way. Um, I'm going to talk about the Nazca lines. Which I also found out about, though, on Ancient Aliens. Before I get into it, though, I need to tell everyone, inform everyone of the Ancient Aliens drinking game. What? Because it is a thing that I invented, and I'm making it a thing. So, watch Ancient Aliens. Watch. Sorry, you're typing. Oh, sorry. You can hear it? Yeah, you can hear you. Yeah, yeah. I'll be quiet. No. Okay. Damn it, Roxy! I'm so sorry. I'm trying to get the the live cam for Mount Shasta. Okay, now no, we can just hear your nails hitting. I know, I know. But normally we wouldn't because it would be the audio would be exclusive, right? Because we'd be in two different places. That's true. Okay, continue. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not mad. It's fine. I'm just telling you. Okay, wonderful. 
Um, so the ancient aliens drinking game. So you watch ancient aliens back yes. to back because the episodes are like 20 minutes. Yes. Uh, you enjoy Giorgio Sukulos's hair. Yes. You know, that is definitely part of it. That's like and the foreplay. The foreplay of the game. Yeah. <laughs> it is okay. Very. It gets more and more voluptuous yes, as it, it goes. Does. Yeah. It's, yeah, it does. Um, more yeah, windswept. He does cameos now, man. We should do one for the, for the show. Maybe, yeah. I wonder if that's a thing. I don't know. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm, I mean, not that I don't like Giorgio Sukulos. I do. I enjoy his personality uh, on camera. Um, but anyway, so you drink every time they say ancient astronaut theorists. Oh my God, you're going to get drunk. Yeah. So every time they say ancient astronaut theorist, you drink a sip of your drink and you take a shot every time they say Chichenitsa. Oh gosh. I, that, your liver, you can't, you can't watch more than three she without yeah. getting shit yeah. Especially when it's an episode on Chichen Itza. Oh, no, which that's there's, not fair. Yeah, okay. there's at least two. Luckily, my uh, episode does not take place in Chichen Itza. Oh, good. It does take place in Peru. I don't know if Chichen Itza is in Peru. I'm sorry no, to people. Like I'm sorry. <laughs> Just Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I'm talking about the Nazca lines. Okay. So I got my information from Ancient Aliens. I did watch an episode of that. For my viewers, not all of my information is from Ancient Aliens. I did other research besides just that. Mm -hmm. uh, I got it from Wikipedia, of course. Um, donate to Wikipedia because I take advantage of their information a lot and I've already donated and they constantly hit me up for donations. Well, donate. Once, Have you donated? Uh, no, I have not. I'm a terrible person. <laughs> terrible person. I'm not even yes. going to say the amount because it was too A dollar. Big. It was too big. I don't, oh. I don't want to shame anybody. It was oh, I see. It's a giant amount yeah. that I've donated. Was it $2.75? Because that's what they usually ask for. So yeah. Let's say it was the minimum. Yeah. yeah. Like, it was mine too. <laughs> yeah. But donate the minimum. Like, the more people who donate, even if it's the minimum, like, that's... You know, well, that goes is, a long yeah, way. It is really helpful, yeah. I mean, granted, Wikipedia definitely did not have a great reputation at first for being, you know, basically, basically changeable oh, you know, yeah. information, you know, but, you know, with, with these donations. You know, yeah, it they, yeah, it helps that. I uh, so also got my information from history.com and theguardian.com. So the Nazca lines are a group of very large geoliths. Ge geoliths made in the soil of the Nazca desert in southern Peru. How the Nazca lines were created, anthropologists believe uh, believe the Nazca culture, uh, which began around 100 BC. Uh, oh, sorry. Nope. Let me start that over again. Uh, anthropologists believe how the Nazca lines were created. That is the title of the paragraph I'm about to read. Okay. Uh, that, um, okay, anyways, the Nazca lines are a group of very large geoliths made in the soil of the Nazca Desert in southern Peru. Anthropologists believe, oh, that should be our drinking game for this. Anthropologists okay. drink, believe that Nazca culture, which began around 100 BC and flourished around AD 1 to 700, created the majority of the Nazca lines. The Chauvin, and 
Paracas cultures. Sorry to anyone who has culture, because I clearly don't uh, and can never pronounce any anything. That's it, right? Yeah. I, I have struggle with modern English, so um, <laughs> which predate the Nazca uh, may have also created some of the geoliths. The Nazca lines are located in the desert plains of the Rio Grande de Nazca River Basin. An archaeological drink. Oh, wait. It has to be our anthropologist. Nope. I already fucked it up. Oh, no. I already drank. Oh, uh, okay. In <laughs> archaeologist, archeo, an archaeological site. We should just have a drinking game where I fuck up words. Like, that should be the drinking game. Every time you, you stay sober, we get drunk. Because I every time I'm nervous, I stutter more. Or if I'm, like, hungry or if I'm tired, I stutter. And it... it it could be bad, yeah, as a more... <laughs> well, we fed you. Yes. Do you need a nap? No, okay. I'm okay. I don't need a nap. An archaeological site that spans more than 7,000... 75,000 hectares. 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 I don't know how much... How... Hecate? Yeah. Hectares. Hectares. I, like, I see the word, but like I don't know how like to pronounce it. I don't know. Yeah. Hectares or something? Yeah, hectares. No. I don't know. You've got your phone in your hand. Yeah, Google it. Yeah, find the pronunciation producer. Yeah, producer. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what the pronunci- I'm not. I'm just curious what the amount is. Was it? Heck. H e c c t a r e s. All right. Let me say that sentence over again. Okay. The Nazca lines are located in the desert plains of the Rio Grande de Nazca River Basin, an archaeological an, an archaeological site that spans more than seventy five thousand hectares. Yeah, hectares. One hectare hectare is a is like two and a half acres. Okay. Cool. But how do you pronounce it? I don't know. Hectare. Yeah, that's what uh, I'm and is one of the driest places on Earth. Insert sex joke. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, the desert floor is covered in a layer of iron oxide coated pebbles of a deep rust color. The ancient peoples create. Sorry. Was that the EVP? Hectors. 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 Okay. It's correcting you. The desert floor is covered in a layer of iron oxide coated pebbles of a deep rust color. The ancient peoples created their designs by removing the top 12 to 15 inches of rock, revealing a lighter colored sand below. They likely began with small scale models and carefully increased the the model's proportion to create the large designs. Most of the geoliths were formed by removing rocks from only the border of the figures creating a kind of outline while others were formed by removing rocks from the interior. Given the low amount of rain, wind, and erosion in the desert, the geoliths have remained largely largely unscathed throughout the centuries. There are three basic types of Nazca lines, straight lines, geometric designs, and pictorial representations. There are more than 800 straight lines on the coastal, coastal plain, some of which are 30 miles long. So they're pretty big. That's crazy. Pretty damn big. Mm-hmm. Pretty um, damn big. <laughs> additionally, there are over 300 geometric designs, which include basic shapes such as triangles, rectangles, trapezoids, as well as spirals, arrows, zigzags, and wavy lines. 
The Nazca lines are perhaps best known for the representation of about 70 animals and plants, some of which measure up to 1,200 feet. So, uh, more than a thousand of them, vast geometric patterns and zoomorphic zoomorphic figures such as uh, such as the monkey, the hummingbird, the whale, a spider, cactus plant, a monkey, uh, llama, duck, flower, tree, lizard, and dog stretch across more than 400 square kilometers of the Nazca Plateau. First, the first published mention of the Nazca lines was by Pedro Cieza de Leon in his book of 1553, and he described them as trail markers. So they were talked about as early as 1553. However, it isn't until much later that they were really looked upon as being something because we didn't have uh, airplanes, and I'll get into that. Um, in 1569, Louise, Louis Monzon uh, reported having seen ancient ruins in Peru, including the remains of Rhodes, which is believed to be these lines. Mm. Although the lines are partially visible from nearby hills, the first report the first to report them in the 20th century were Peruvian military and civilian pilots. In 1927, Peruvian archaeologist Toribo Mejia Zeppi, 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 that's as good as I would yeah. ever get. Yeah. Uh, well, Not much help on that. <laughs> first name, Toribo. Uh, spotted them while he was hiking through the foothills. He discussed them at a conference in Lima in 1939. So uh, Paul Kosok, uh, an American historian from Long Island University in New York, is credited as the first scholar to, sc- to study the Nazca lines in depth. While in Peru in 1940 to 1941, uh, to study ancient irrigation systems, he flew over the lines and realized that one was in the shape of a bird. Another chance observation helped him see how the lines converged on the horizon at the winter solstice in the southern hemisphere. He began to study how the lines might have been created, as well as how, to, as well as to try to determine their purpose. He was joined by archaeologists Richard P. Shadell. Richard P. Shadell from the United States and Maria Reich, a German mathematician and archaeologist from Lima, to try to determine the purpose of the Nazca lines. They proposed that the figures were designed to designed as astronomical markers on the horizon to show where the sun and other celestial bodies rose on significant dates. Archaeologists, historians, and mathematicians have all tried to determine the purpose of these lines what i think is very interesting though like to try to understand like an ancient people you know but in reality we may never actually know the full length of what anything was ever made for the purpose of anything you know because so much is word of mouth so much is not written so much is lost over time you really have to understand people's cultures 
you know. Well, just like understanding how how over time the daily routine, being a person, changes. Yeah, right. You know, like our daily yeah. routine is so vastly different than like having to get up and actually hunt and stuff like yeah. that, and like mm-hmm. and like preparing yourself religiously for death and stuff like that. You know, like that's not having entertainment. Well, they had a different you form know. of entertainment. Well, exactly, yeah. yeah but you, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, in, there's not, it's not. It's I hard guess to it's, see from that perspective because we're so far removed. Yeah. Exactly, it. yeah. So, 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 yeah, who knows what, what it yeah, was used for. what the reality was. There's so much to, there's so much that is still, like, also um, socially understood in cultures, like, that to us seems insignificant, but to a culture looking outside, could you imagine like them looking at like, I don't know, the TikTok dances to us. We're like, Oh, it's like, Oh, it's just for fun. It's just for silliness, whatever. But an outside culture might look at that and think it has some sort of significance, which it does. It does. But what we would hold to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of things are looked at with that, lens yes. a lot yeah um that's just my opinion anyways yeah. con- continuing on with the nasca lines uh determining how they were made has been easier than determining why they were made scholars have theorized that the nasca people could have used simple tools and surveying equipment to construct the lines archaeological drink surveys have found wooden stakes in the ground at the end of some lines which support this theory uh one such stake was carbon dated and was the basis for establishing the age of the the design complex age of the yeah okay joe nickel with two l's an american investigator of the paranormal religious artifacts and folk mysteries reproduced the figures in the early 20th century by using the same tools and technology that would have been available to the Nazca people. In so, in so doing, he refuted the 1969 hypothesis of Eric, Eric von Dyken, who suggested that ancient astronauts drink, <laughs> that is the ancient astronauts had constructed these works, um, which yes. is... Uh, Eric von Daniken. Eric von Daniken. Oh, because remember that was I think that might have been one of our one of our one of our drinking. Oh, is mentioning he's, Eric he's, von Daniken quite a bit. No, yeah, oh, the okay. ancient astronaut because he wrote uh, chariots. Of the gods. Oh, oh, with, yeah. that chariots makes sense. Of the gods, or yeah, you drink every time they mention chariots of the gods. I think it was his one name, too. but I can't remember. Like okay. maybe maybe that was like oh, okay. that makes game, total, yeah, maybe that was one day we got to. Yeah. I don't know. You can't make so many rules because there is a lot that's no offense, ancient aliens. There is a lot that's repetitive to that yes, show. There is. They basically oh, yeah. have like five theories that they just repeat aliens. over and over and yeah. over again. There's like several seasons. Um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Like you can't really just discern a lot of the episodes in one. Um. So <laughs> basically, yeah. Anyways, the ancient astronaut theory drink. Uh, is that uh, aliens came to visit the Earth way back when, and they're the reason why we have pyramids. They're the reason why we have these Nazca lines, because these these lines would have been so big that you could only see them from the sky. 
And that's why they weren't discovered till, well, weren't officially discovered as being these large pictographs or picture pictures. Um, I, I don't even know what the fuck a pictograph is. Why did that word come out of my mouth? Um, Sounds like a fancy picture. Uh, <laughs> they basically realized that they were pictures once airplanes were invented and people would go up into the earth. I also read something that they were trying to prove that the Nazca people would have made a hot air balloon and it was it was actually possible for them to have created it. They would have had all of the materials, but there was no evidence that they ever created that. So most people are like, oh, well, aliens, it's got to be aliens. Reminds me of uh, The Mummy Returns. Remember when he has that like hot air balloon? Oh, yeah. If you touch that receipt one more time. That receipt doesn't need to be flat (laughs) during the podcast. Um, But do you remember what I'm talking about? No, I actually don't really remember The Mummy Returns. I do thoroughly enjoy The Mummy and the sequels. It's it's not not that great, but um, uh, yeah, never mind. Continue. If you you remember it. Okay. so a uh, scientific American characterized Nickel's work as remarkable in its exactness when compared to the existing lines. With care- careful planning and simple technologies, Nickel proved that a small team of people could recreate even the largest figures within days without any aerial assistance. Anthropologists, uh, drink, that was my role, I made it for this. Anthropologists, eth- ethnologists, and archaeologists have studied the ancient Nazca culture to try to determine the purpose of the lines and figures. One hypothesis is that Nazca people created them to be seen by deities in the sky. Which could be true. Religion is a thing. <laughs> you know, that could be true. Doesn't mean that these deities visited them. Doesn't mean that the deities, you know are aliens necessarily you know i believe parts of the ancient astronaut theory drink um because they're they're uh, what is oh my gosh there's something that's called the god symbol that almost every culture has this exact symbol in their culture it's usually at an archway it's usually of a god holding two things from on one side and the other, and it's always very similar. And why would all of these cultures have this same symbol? However, we now don't understand what sort of transportation, what sort of, you know, word of mouth and traditions, how they passed on. We don't have a full grasp of that, you know? And at one point, with the pan with Pangea, you know, everything was one land at some point. So ideas could have been oh, no, shared. But, but that was long before humans ever opened. Oh, okay. And okay. Like, it was breaking apart during the Jurassic period. And well that was like a good these dinosaurs could have talked <laughs> years apart. But what you're saying, yes, because we have found out that uh ancient Chinese civilizations were were visiting Mm-hmm. the North American and Central American continent much earlier than what we had predicted. And that's mm-hmm. why there was an exchange between that. Uh, even theories that the Egyptians even made it over to North America and that the Vikings had been coming over to North America. And so, yes, that we're, we're 
are underestimating the ability for our ancient human relatives to be sharing all that information. So they could have possibly yeah. had trade routes that we just don't know about and sharing those ideas. Yeah. yeah. Or it could be dinosaurs. Well, died a long time <laughs> Aliens. Um, but no, like what I was saying is like, yeah, the people were like, yeah, I just threw out Pangea. Like I knew yeah. what the fuck I was talking about. <laughs> Pangea. Uh, but no, like, yeah, like there, there could have been connections that we didn't know about. Yeah. Um, okay. Paul Kosak and Maria Wright advanced a purpose related to astronomy and cosmology as has been common in monuments of other ancient cultures. The lines were intended to act as a kind of observatory to point to places where on the distant horizon, where the sun and other celestial bodies rose or set at the solstice. Many prehistoric indigenous cultures in the Americas and elsewhere constructed earthworks that combined such astronomical sightings with their religious cosmology as did the late Mississippian culture at Cahokia and other sites in present-day United States. Another example is Stonehenge in England. Newgrange in Ireland has tombs that are oriented to admit light at the winter winter solstice as well. Gerard Hawkins and Anthony A.V., experts in archaeoastronomy, concluded in 1990 that the evidence was insufficient to support any astronomical explanation. A newly discovered geolith uh, located on geoliths located on hillsides, however, marks a key difference, said uh, Luis Hamla. A newly discovered geolith's location on hillsides, however, mark a key difference, said Luis Jaime Castillo. Fuck. All right. I got this. Okay. Newly discovered geolith's location on hillsides, however, mark a key difference. Louis Luis Jaime Castillo said a Peruvian archaeologist working on the Nazca Palpa project with with Isla. Uh, So this is his quote. This is Luis Jaime Castillo. Castillo. You're going to have to say this name for me. Luis Jaime Castillo. Yeah, did it. Awesome. He had Peruvian archaeologist. He said Placing these geoliths on the slopes means that, in contrast with the Nazca lines, you can see them if you are standing in the valley below where life in agriculture is taking place. If the Nazca lines were made by humans for the gods, these figures were made by humans for humans. They are clearly representations of identifiable people. They are uh, demarcating territories. by contrast, the larger and more sophisticated geoliths further south in Nazca cannot be viewed completely from the ground. So there are ones that you can see from the ground. There are ones that are meant to, that you can only see from the sky. So what we have said, what they say on ancient aliens, 
basically is that they were only made for aliens to be seen, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's not necessarily true. Um, so, um, unfortunately, the Nazca lines are in danger. Future generations may not be able to study them because of global warming. Global warming, warming, warming. Wait, what? <clears throat> Conservatives who seek to preserve the Nazca lines are concerned about threats of pollution and erosion caused by deforestation in the region. Um, these lines themselves are superficial. They are only 10. Uh, uh, the lines themselves are superficial. They are only 10 uh, to 30 centimeters deep and could be washed away. Nazca has only ever received a small amount of rain, but now there are uh, great changes to the weather all over the world, and the lines can re cannot resist heavy rain without being damaged. Uh, after flooding and mudslides in the area in mid-February 2007, uh, Mario Olicha Acqui, archaeologist, Archaeological resident from Peru National Institute of Culture and a team of specialists surveyed the area. He said the mudslides and heavy rain did not appear to have caused any significant damage to the Nazca lines. He noted that the nearby Southern Pan American Highway did suffer damage and the damage done to the road should serve as a reminder to just how fragile these figures are. Now the aliens are going to drive by and be like, yeah. I don't know, we didn't see any drawings of ourselves. So oh, we're getting destroyed. Move on. on. Yeah, yeah. See, a, see a big ass building over there. You can probably ask somebody, but nah. <laughs> uh, in 2012, squatters occupied the land in the area, damaging a Nazca era cemetery oh, and allowing their pigs to have yeah. access to some of the land. No. That's such bad karma. In 2013, machinery used in a limestone quarry was reported to have destroyed a small section of a line and caused damage to another. All right. This one makes me angry uh, for several reasons. In December 2014, a controversy arose involving Greenpeace, uh, Greenpeace's activity on the site. As Greenpeace activists set up a banner within the lines of one of the geoliths, inadvertently damaging the site. Greenpeace issued an apology of following the incident, though one of the act activists was convicted and fined for their part in causing damage. The Greenpeace incident also directed attention to other damage to geoliths outside of the World Heritage Area caused in 2012 and 2013 by off-road vehicles of the Dakar Rally, which is visible from satellite imagery. Uh, in January 2018, an errant truck driver was arrested, but later released for lack of evidence indicating any intent other than a simple error. He damaged three of the geoliths by leaving substantial tire marks across oh. the area of approximately 46 meters by 107 meters. Sure. So, yeah, I that sucks. Yeah, I hope that we take care of things that are of cultural, historical, yeah. and archaeological value, 
it is sad to hear when people just treat it without respect yeah. or with ignorance. But those are the Nazca lines. Ooh. Could they be for aliens or could they be for people? Dun, dun, dun. Aliens. Aliens. Um, but just, aliens. Yeah, just a little bit about the Nazca lines. Uh, on ancient aliens, they heavily, heavily assume or make the theory, uh, make the theory that they were like, uh, airport landing strips for spacecraft because every time I hear that, I'm like, well, well, they wouldn't really need a landing strip. Yeah. These are like futuristic spacecrafts. They can probably just land wherever the fuck they want. Yeah. Or, yeah, or they just come down and level shit. But that's like, I don't know. That's. We always will look at things with the eyes that we have at the present. You know, we're looking at them with the eyes of the knowledge that we have now. And it's and, also like a slight version of what hyperdolia, you know, sort of, you know, yeah. you kind of want to see what you want to see, yeah. yeah, you know, a little bit, you know, yeah. But I also think that, yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe those were the original yeah. intentions of the lines, but whether or not they was actually used for that is a whole. It just kind of also reminds me of when we see people who've drawn pictures, uh, like in the 1930s, people uh, drawn pictures of what they think the future is like, and they get it right for the most part, but they're looking at it with the eyes of the technology yeah. that is present at that time. Well, you and know, and, and they're smart people, you know, yeah. and like would see that this would be kind of an obvious advance in their lives. Yeah. You know? so, yeah so. Like the video calls, you know, they're still long wires they didn't have the the idea of wireless technology, but they did have the idea that yes, we would be able to have phone calls where it is images. We can see yes. images long before they even knew what television was. Yeah. But if you think of that in reverse, we're looking at it with what we know as our needs, our culture, our capabilities, looking at an ancient culture and thinking that they're primitive. Yeah. It, when they're not, they're not necessarily primitive. They also, we don't know everything about their culture. It could be something very insignificant. They're just like, oh, we thought they were cool, you well, know? Well, it's like, yeah, it's like, like we're like saying, like I was saying earlier with like the surroundings and like not having like, like having to like hunt daily, you know, you'd obviously be way more proficient doing that than people of nowadays, you know, which would be more proficient in a different area. You know, not to say mm. that. One TikTok is, dances. One is better than the other, you know, or more, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, useful, but that was just what they had to do for the time. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. So what do you got for us? Mount Shasta. Ooh. Ooh. So I just remember is the, the, the Rockies, uh, the, uh, the Coors Light camp. That's what it looks like. Oh, okay. So he's referring to, <laughs> I have a live cam oh. of downtown Mash, Mount Shasta that also is showing the mountain in the background. So they mm -hmm. have an idea of what it looks like. You can see this live cam mm. on visit Mount Shasta and that's mtshasta.com. So visit mtshasta.com. Uh, you can see the live cam, and I'm going to talk about uh, why we're 
watching this live cam while we're live later. camming a mountain yeah, yeah. While we're live camming. but it's also can the mountain see us so you can see it's a pretty cool yeah it looks <laughs> talk to me dirty mountain <laughs> <laughs> it's it is naked right now so oh my god it, you can see two hills from here yeah it's slightly Whoa. uh that so, mountain is topless just so you guys know i'm sorry we don't not doing video on this i one. know right but they can go to the live <laughs> cam and watch this hot action themselves Ooh, that's true so um, so a little bit about Mount Shasta, uh, located at the southern end of the Cascade Mountain Range in Northern California. So mm-hmm. up close by the Oregon border. Elevation is 14,179 feet, and it is considered a semi-dormant volcano. So it hasn't erupted in a very long time Mm. Uh, they thought that the last eruption might have been in 1786 because there was some documentation about one of the uh, native american tribes uh, but apparently that was never confirmed and due to radiocarbon data uh, it actually looks like it hasn't erupted since 1250 a.d so it's, it's been a while but it was a a well, active volcano, um, but not for not for a long time. But we also know Mount St. Helens kind of was thought to be dormant, and then mm. it would said hi in yeah, a very aggressive like, also way. Like Tonga, right? Going off recently, man. So that's, it's that's, not considered fully dormant. It would be considered semi-dormant, I guess, at mm. this time. Now, what got me interested in this was. I wanted to talk about a strange hole that had appeared uh, in 2009. And it was a 60-foot hole had been dug by hand using a simple pulley system. Uh, The hole was illegally dug on National Forest property, and so most likely was done at night. But it it just appeared. Hmm. Uh, Nobody kind of do exactly why, what was going on. There were a few theories as to why somebody would have gone up there and, and dug a hole on National Forest property. They can get in big trouble for that. So it's just like a random spot, not like on the, on the trail or anything? Just like, just Yeah, just a, a random hole because they were doing it at nighttime because they didn't want to get caught. Right. Uh, so they think that the hole was dug by somebody looking for gold. And this is kind of the official story. So the, the, uh, they'll say that, oh yeah, the police said uh, somebody was charged for this and that they were illegally digging for gold in that area. And, you know, it makes sense. You know, California gold digging, somebody would risk that kind of, it's, yeah, punishment to, in order to get some gold because it would totally be worth it. But the thing is, just due to the geological area, there's not really any gold there. Mm. So there wouldn't really make sense for somebody to put in all this effort because they're digging a 60 foot hole by hand. And again, just a little pulley system having to do it all at night, not get caught. If there wasn't going to be anything for them to find gold wise, mineral wise. Mm. So, that theory doesn't really hold up, but it is kind of interesting that the authorities are like, oh, no, that's definitely what it was about. Mm-hmm. Uh, or are they just telling us that? That's exactly. Are they just telling us that? 
Now, another theory uh, that seems to make more sense was that somebody was looking for Native American artifacts, mm -hmm. a lot of looting happening. And that's actually popular in the area where people will go in and they will dig and uh, try to find artifacts. And because there was a lot of different tribes that lived around Mount Shasta when the uh, European settlers first got there in the 1800s at that time, uh, there was multiple tribes. There was the Shasta tribe, uh, the Okwan, I'm going to butcher these names and I'm so sorry, Okwan Nuchu, uh, Modoc tribe, uh, Ko Ako, ah. The Modoc tribe. Modoc, oh, and we're yeah. going to talk about that in a moment. We have uh, an item at a place I may or may not work at oh. uh, <laughs> from the Modoc Wars from the 1871. Okay, cool. Um so the Modoc tribe lived around there, Okomawi tribe, Atsugewi tribe, Karuk tribe, Kalamath tribe, Wintu, and the Yana. So a lot of different tribes were living in this area. So you would think, oh, oh that makes sense. They're looking for artifacts. You're going to sift through everything. Or they'll sell them. Uh, but these tribes found the mountain to actually be a very sacred area uh, to the point where they wouldn't be leaving behind tools or any sort of ceremonial items because I'm going to go through one of the creation myths. It's the Modoc creation myth that has to do with the mountain, but mm. it kind of explains why they find this mountain so sacred and so why it doesn't make sense to be looking for those artifacts because they're not actually going to be found on the mountain. Because they were very, like, they're not going to litter on the mountain and they're going to take care of it. So according to the Modoc tribe, uh, this is their creation myth. Uh, so chief of the sky spirit grew tired of living in the cold climate of the above world. So he created a hole in the sky and he pushed all the ice and snow down until it created the mountain. As he walked down the mountain where he stepped, the ice melted and created rivers. Then about halfway down the mountain, he touched the ground in various places and made the trees grow. So as you can see from the picture of Mount Shasta, a good portion of it does not have the trees on it. So mm -hmm. that they say it's because as he got to that tree line, that's where he created all of those trees. Mm -hmm. uh, doo -doo -doo -doo. Uh, then the, when the leaves on the trees started to fall, he turned those into the birds that fly around. And actually, as earlier when I was watching this cam, you can see like a whole bunch of birds uh, that will like fly around every once in a while. It's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. uh, then Sky Spirit broke off small pieces of his walking stick and he threw it into the rivers and the waters. And that created animals like beaver, otter, and fish. Then he took the larger part of his walking stick and he broke those into pieces to create all of the walking animals, such as, you know, deer, rabbit, uh, and the grizzly bear being the largest one. And at the time, the grizzly bears would walk upright and then they could communicate uh, with the gods. Uh, then a sky spirit brought his family down from the above world uh, to the mountain. And he created a hole 
into the mountain and in that hole, he created a fire inside to keep everyone warm. And whenever he would put logs into the fire, the mountain would spew out sparks and smoke and the earth would shake. So that kind of goes back to it being a volcano. Mm -hmm. uh, many Native Americans, uh, oh, uh, sorry, hold on. Let me go back because I, I skipped a whole part. Um, he would send out sparks, smoke, and the earth would shake. Uh, then one night, uh, while him and his family were all inside, there was a huge windstorm that the wind spirit was creating. And the uh, chief of the sky spirits, he told his daughter to go ahead and peek her head above the, the hole, or what we, we would call the crater, to just say to the wind spirit, hey, can you bring it on down a bit? Uh, my father, he, this is, you know, the mountain, he takes care of the area, please don't send so much wind, it's shaking everything about. But as she got up and she peeked her head out, she could see the ocean. She became very enamored with the sight of the ocean so that the wind picked up her hair and blew her down the side of the mountain. And uh, as she was tumbling through the trees, she ended up in meeting a family of grizzly bears and was getting along with like all the grizzly children and the grizzly mother knew that she belonged to the sky spirit, mm -hmm. but wanted to keep her and raise her amongst her own. And so then she, the sky spirit's daughter ends up having children with one of the grizzly bears and those children are supposedly the Native Americans. That's their creation story. And so then the grizzly mother was going to be passing away and she knew she had to return the Sky Spirit's daughter, but had to tell the Sky Spirit the truth. Like, I am so sorry that I did not tell you about this beforehand and that I kept her. And so as punishment, the Sky Spirit made them all walk on four legs and that they can no longer communicate anymore. But that is where the Native American or the Modoc believe that they are created from uh, the mountain. So it was very important for them to take care of it and why they revere it with so much respect. Um, and the Native Americans uh, would see glowing lights in the forest, usually around the grave sites of their ancestors. And they believed it was a bad omen. Like you did not want to see these glowing lights because it mean, meant bad luck was going to be happening. Um, and it was one of those things where don't give it any sort of attention that it try to look away. Don't go out looking for it. Which is similar to the skinwalkers, exactly. right? Not giving it and the skin, attention. And they saw lights around the skinwalker ranch yes. as well. But it's not, that's close to this area, well, isn't it? Like, no, because this is in Northern California. Skinwalkers over in Utah. Utah. Yeah. Let me look at a map <laughs> real um, quick. Then they would also see other figures around in the area. One of them, uh, they would call the small folk. Uh, or, uh, but they would be mischievous. Like if you saw them, they would cause misfortune or they would cause pain. Uh, there was also documentation of large humanoid looking figures that might've been about seven feet or so tall that would live in the mountains. And then others say that they even saw uh, groups of reptilians 
but I didn't get too much information about that. Mostly it was more of the small folk that kind of represent like the fae folk that we know more yeah. from England and Ireland and then the tall folk that we'll later kind of talk about as mm -hmm. well. Um, and so that's what they were seeing. And so that's why they don't think that the person was really digging for those artifacts just due to the sacredness of the mountain that you can understand why they would not be leaving things behind. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to litter. It, people aren't going to go to a Catholic church and then leave their bags of chips. Hopefully they're not. That would just seem disrespectful. Mm -hmm. uh, and that they take care of the land as well. Now, the third theory is the, the weirdest one. And that whoever was digging was trying to find the city that is said to be hidden under the mountain, or if at least not looking for a city, at least looking for maybe an entryway into this uh, other world. So there are those that believe there is a Lumerian city called Telos that has been hidden inside of Mount Shasta. And do you, have you ever heard of the Lumerians? Yeah. Okay, a bit? Yeah. yeah. Maybe a little bit. Maybe on ancient aliens. I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> it has been told. So, back in 1864, zoologist Philip Sclatter hypothesized that there was a continent that existed between India and Madagascar. And that is how the lemurs were able to get from India to the island of Madagascar because they were unable to find any fossils of lemurs either in Africa or the Middle East. So they were wondering um, how, because they're found in India and they're found in Madagascar, how did the lemurs get there? How did they cross the oceans or they can't fly or that kind of thing. Mm. So this zoologist proposed that, well, maybe there was a continent that existed and that sunk beneath the ocean and he called it Lemuria. Well, people kind of took this idea and ran with it in a mm. way that of the lost city of Atlantis. So hypothesizing, oh, that there must have been a advanced civilization of Lumerians that lived on this continent before it sunk under the ocean. We're not going to go too deep into the Lemurians because there's already so much to talk about. <laughs> um, but they are said to have uh, higher knowledge and they vibrate on a different frequency than us. And you can purchase like Lemurian crystals uh, that if you meditate with that, you can access some of this information as well. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, it is. It we is. should do I that. I didn't know it came from the lemurs. Right, exactly. I thought it was like, like, like illuminate. Oh yeah, or like yeah. illuminati. I thought it was like or like light or, or luminarias. Yeah. Like yeah, but no, like, like, it's because of lemurs. That's why it was the the lemur continent. That's, all, that's hilarious. <laughs> I think PJ might be part. Yeah, 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 I can see it. No, she's part of the Felinians. Yes. <laughs> The Philidians, um, oh my god, that's perfect. And she's, yeah, she's definitely a sweet creature. Sorry, sorry. What was that? Was that me? No. Oh, was that you? Mm. Is that your okay. Yeah. Is that the EVP? Is that the EVP? <coughs> <coughs> oh, 
I know my phone's been doing weird stuff lately. Like it set an alarm Ooh. for 9 a.m. Yeah, out of nowhere weird. Yeah. and just opened the microphone and it said, take a picture. Right now. Yeah, it did. Okay. Wait, my phone's been doing weird stuff. That's weird. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was Diana yesterday because right after Diana was like dropping pictures, airdropping, airdropping pictures uh, to random people. Um, and please leave this in so that when Diana listens to this, she knows. No, my phone, like, set an alarm for 9 a.m. by itself at the table when we were at lunch yesterday. And I looked at it and I was like, I have no idea how to even, I don't, I've never set an alarm on my phone. And I'm like, I don't even know, like, I'm sure I could figure out how to turn the alarm off. So instead, I just woke up at 9 a.m. this morning because I was like, I'm just going to let it go off. 9 a.m. is a reasonable time for yeah. me to be getting up anyways. Yeah, I think that means Diana's cursed. Or your phone is haunted. <laughs> My phone is haunted. Yeah. I mean, we did go to like two haunted places recently. That is true. And, and, and you know that haunted place we work at. That does go with me at work. It is in my fanny pack at work. So, yeah. is you the know, fanny you pack haunted? Ghosts love the fanny pack. Yeah. I'm not a fan of back pockets. That's where I keep it. <laughs> Looks weird when I walk down the halls. Okay. <laughs> Back to Mount Sasta. Okay. In 1899, Frederick Spencer Oliver publishes a book called A Dweller on Two Planets. And in this book, he claims that the survivors of Lunaria were living in Mount Shasta in a series of complex tunnels, and that sometimes they would come to the surface wearing white robes. Uh, the series of tunnels does this at least also there's a lot of those volcanic tubes that are kind of running uh, people go to Mount Shasta not supernatural stuff but it's a good place to go spelunking and cave diving you can go skiing there but yeah there are already a lot of caves around in that area yeah right because it, it matches <laughs> you want to blend in with all the snow uh, oh, and the Lunarians were said to be very tall, about seven feet mm. tall. So they would have like the large limbs, uh, and that they had some sort of appendage on their head, super intelligent or super wise or something like mm. that. But we're going back to the seven foot tall because I mentioned before that the Native Americans would say they were spotting very tall people, large, almost giant like as well. Mm. So. That, I think that's an interesting back and forth. Uh, then in 1931, Harvey Spencer Lewis, and it's super interesting that both of these men had the middle name Spencer. Uh, Harvey Spencer Lewis wrote a book under the pseudonym uh, Wishar S. Survey, and it was published by the Rosicutians. And have you ever heard of them? Yes. Okay. That's well. I won't go into that because yeah. I think that's a whole other podcast. Um, but that kind of gives you an idea. Write that down. The Rosicrucians. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the ideas that uh, Harvey Lewis's book kind of ended up being used by different religions and cults that came afterwards. Uh, some of the more well-known religions was the I Am activity. And then there was the Summit Church University and Cryon. 
uh, oh, and the, sorry, the Summit Lighthouse, and then, okay, let me start over again. Uh, some of the religions and the occults, uh, most notably known, are the I Am Activity, the Summit Lighthouse, Church Universal and Triumphant, and Tryon. And those are, you can look those up. They're all kind of interwoven with each other. They're all very similar, uh, kind of springing from one another. But I'll, I'll talk about the more the first one, the I am activity. So in the 1930s, mining engineer Guy Ballard was living. Not to add cops, so I'm going to go get some cops real quick. Okay. Do you want me to keep going or should we stop? It's up to you. A mining engineer by the name of Guy Ballard was living at the base of the mountain with his wife and son. One day, while he was out and about, he encountered a young man that offered him a creamy-looking drink. That's his word. He said it was very creamy, milky-looking mm. uh, drink, and that the drink had this immediate effect on him, making a ballad feels revived and invigorated. Shortly after Ballard had drank in the, the creamy white drink, he <coughs> noticed that there was a mountain lion nearby. But because of how the drink had made him feel, he was able to overcome his fear of the mountain lions and didn't react. And then all of a sudden, the animal became very docile, friendly, acting very much like, like a kitten, being very playful. And the young man said to Ballard that he passed the test of courage and that he offered him small, four small round cakes that Ballard then ate and said that when eating them, it intensified the effects of the drink, and he was able to... <coughs> Sorry. Oh, like, you know when your like, throat has that like, yeah. tickle? tickle? And I'm just, I, yeah. I did drink water. I did drink water right here. Uh, yes, give me a cough drop, and then take it back from he okay. ate those four brown cakes. Okay. For, Just any, for anybody that works with us. Uh-huh. <laughs> we should cut all that out. <laughs> no, keep it in. <laughs> Let me know when y'all ready. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Have you have you eaten all of your my cough drops? Have you unwrapped all of your candies? Ugh. Interesting. <laughs> I even woke PJ up. PJ's looking at me like she's pissed. She is not happy. <laughs> <laughs> Look at her. Oh, oh, oh! She's so yeah. cute. Go back to sleep okay. now. Um. Oh, four brown cakes. Okay. So he ate the four small brown cakes and said that it helped to intensify the effects of the drinks. Uh, the drink that allowed him to comprehend and take in 
the teachings of this young man. And the young man introduced himself as Saint Germain or Count of Saint Germain. There's mm. both of them have been said. And that he was an ascendant master who had been traveling the continents looking for somebody that worthy enough uh, to give his teachings to. And that he found Ballard to be worthy of his teachings and that he would only share what he had to know with Ballard, his wife, Edna, and their son at the time. And then Ballard took the teachings of Germain and wrote a couple of books. One of them was called Unveiled Mysteries, and the second was The Magic Presence. And he published these under a, a pseudonym, Godfrey Ray King. Uh, this also kind of started a religion <laughs> uh, called the I Am Activity. And it started to, to pick up a lot of attractions. And by the time uh, 1938 came around, apparently there was about 1 million followers in the United States. Oh, so, wow. Right? In just a, a, a decent amount. Yeah. But then uh, Ballard died in 1939. But of course, his wife said that he ascended to mm. his finer body mm. <laughs> that he can't inhabit in the physical form, not unlike Jesus, mm -hmm. but his, <laughs> the followers were kind of underwhelmed and became disenchanted with some of those teachings. Mm -hmm. And the following dropped, dropped off quite quickly. Edna didn't die until like the 1970s. And there's some, still some of the followers of the I am activity. It's still around. Mm -hmm. It's not as big. And then I mentioned all the other little religions that kind of sprung up from it as well. Uh, and Ballard wasn't really the only one encountering these ascendant masters in these in the white robes. In 1932, uh, Edward Lasner claimed that he met with white-robed people with a lot of gold and that they were living at the 11,000-foot level upon Mount Shasta. Uh, 1934, another man by the name of Abraham Lansville said he met a whole tribe of what he believes were Lumerians who showed him the extensive network of tunnels that they would use to travel. Uh, then there was Erlene Cheney, who is, I guess, tied to Hollywood for a little bit. She had like a brief uh, acting career. She was a very beautiful woman, uh, but she was more interested in the mystic and the spirituality. Mm -hmm. And then she met her husband and uh, Robert Cheney and kind of changed her focus uh, to learning, you know, the mysteries of the spirit and meditation and doing these, uh, what we would call channeling sessions. So, you know, you meditate and you try to channel messages from other spirits or other beings. Uh, apparently, during one of these channeling sessions back in 1952, they, her and her husband got the message that they needed to go visit Mount Shasta. And they went to a camping site known as Panther Meadows it's on the south side, and it's about 7,380 feet uh, up. 
And so they were camping there and then they got the feeling that they needed to continue to climb up the mountain. So as they started to climb up the side of the mountain, they met a young man. <gasps> bah, 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 <laughs> who said, cloaked in white, who said that he was familiar with their journey and their quest. Uh, and he gave them his teachings. And then after that, he escorted them to a secret location called the Cave of the Mystic Circle. And in that cave, they were able to meet with other ascended masters who then passed on their own teachings to uh, the couple. Damn. So after uh, they had received all of these teachings, it accumulated into this final initiation. And uh, Erlene Cheney said that for the initiation, she was shown the inner great temple that is supposedly at the peak of Mount Shasta. It can only be seen by those who have truly been initiated. And for everyone else, including us, it will, it is invisible to our eyes. Mm. But she says that for those that have been initiated, it looks like a great astral temple that is positioned on the peak of Mount Shasta, and it is lit from above by a great star. Uh, Arlene, or Erlene, yeah, Erlene also claims, though, to have been a part of another secret initiation that took place inside the Great Pyramids of Egypt. And if you are interested in her, she has a whole bunch of books. She has authored she authored over a hundred different books, so you can learn more about her own adventures and everything mm -hmm. that she believes. Uh, her and her husband also kind of started their own religion called Astara, and it's it's, it's another one of it's similar to the other ones that I was talking about. So they they believe in the ascended masters and everything that they have to say. Um, mm -hmm. but she did write her own book uh, about her experiences uh, with March, Mount Shasta so oh, 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 sorry I'm like where is my notes oh boy I'm so sorry about this anyway she wrote a book about her her experience on Mount Shasta and you can find that on Amazon and pretty much anywhere if you want to learn a little bit more about what, what she went through. Yeah. Uh, now, even you don't have to be one of these spiritual gurus to have experienced something on Mount Shasta. Uh, for, for years, decades, uh, people have seen these weird glowing mystery lights around the mountains. Uh, talked about how the Native Americans were seeing them. They thought that they were the spirits of their ancestors and that they were considered bad luck. Uh, more of the new age belief though, is that these lights are happening because the Lumerians are doing their secret ceremonies. And this is like the byproduct of those ceremonies. And you're most likely going to see these lights happen around dusk, hmm. midnight and right before dawn. So that's where we go back 
to the Shasta live cam. So if you are ever interested in maybe trying to catch these lights, you yourself can go ahead and watch uh, the live cams to see if something you might, you might see something around those times of day. Yeah. Oh, great. Now I can hear the that's Pigeon our, Sex Club. That's our second sponsor. Yeah, the Pigeon <laughs> Sex Cult. Yeah, <laughs> that's happening on the roof. For uh, my listeners, they I have pigeons that live on my roof, and they are constantly having sex. Or at least that's what it sounds, sounds like. like. Yeah. Like, yeah the constant, coo, 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 Yeah. Another reason you might want to keep an eye. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're just right. yeah. So another reason why you might want to go ahead and watch uh, the live cam is there's been a lot of UFO activity. I don't know if this relates back to the lights or anything, but like Skinwalker Ranch, uh, the area around Mount Shasta is also known to have high UFO activity. Now, those that believe in the Lemurians uh, say that they have spacecraft that look cloud-like that come in and out of the mountains. And right now we're watching it. And yeah, you can see like these kind of shapeless little clouds on top of the mountain. But if you look up pictures of Mount Shasta, you can sometimes see they're these large disc-like clouds that are on top of it. And I mean, that can be caused by weather pressure. There's, there's a reason. There's a big lake there too. Yeah, so like it makes sense. The water mixed with the area. Yes, yeah. but some people will say, oh, well, that's actually their cloud-shaped spacecraft. Now, these spacecraft have been seen flying around the area, but also going in and out of the mountain itself. Uh, there's also a, an area called Pluto Cave. It is a large lava tube that was said to be created over 200,000 years ago, and it was considered to be sacred by the natives as well. And it is something where people will visit it, and even if they don't experience something supernatural, they say it's a very creepy, odd vibe to this cave. Um, a lot of people have experienced something supernatural in Pluto Cave. People have had or said they have had encounters with what they believe might be extraterrestrial, extraterrestrials or um, the people that are living in the mountain. Uh, people have also been reportedly to have gone insane after spending the night in the cave and quote unquote encountering unspeakable horrors. Mm. Uh, even to this day, uh, people will still do rituals in the cave. You can go there and you can find remains of ritualistic fires or sacrifices uh, that have been happening and that there is a very creepy, odd vibe to that area still. Another place that is said to have uh, some supernatural occurrences is Bernie Falls. And I believe uh, President Theodore Roosevelt said that it is so wonderful, it should be considered the eighth wonder of the world. And it's a set of three falls, like upper, middle, and lower. The upper falls and the lower falls, you can, you can actually drive to it. The middle falls, you can only access it by foot. 
And of course, the Middle Falls is the one where they say has the most paranormal activity. Mm. And I want to go there because that's where they say that the little people or the fairies hang out and that they can be seen sometimes in the mists of the waterfalls or at the very edges of your vision. But they don't appear to just everybody. They will only appear to those who are truly seeking spiritual enlightenment. If you're there just to get some paranormal uh, shits and giggles, they're not going to appear. But if you really, really want to know uh, about the other worlds or mm -hmm. become spiritually enlightened, then that's when you're going to see them. So another place that has had some uh, paranormal activity is Bernie Falls. And that is where the fake folk or the small folk that the Native Americans were talking about, that's where they can be seen. They're usually seen in the mist of the waterfalls or right at the corner of people's visions. And that they only appear to those who are truly seeking spiritual enlightenment. So if you're just there to get a paranormal kick and you're not really there to learn the secrets of the universe, you're probably not going to see them. And another place, though, that you can see these fairies is McLeod Falls, uh, which has also had many sightings. And McLeod Falls is three different waterfalls. There's an upper waterfall, a middle waterfall, and a lower waterfall. The upper and lower can be reached by vehicle. The middle waterfall can only be reached on foot. And of course, that's the one that has the most paranormal activity out of the three falls. And again, it's the, the fairy sightings or the little people sightings as well. So I would love to visit those two areas because I would like to see a fairy. And I think, I think I'm in it for spiritual enlightenment, not just for paranormal shits yeah. and giggles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just the fairy paparazzi. Uh, now, more recently, there have been said to be Bigfoot sightings there. Uh, unlike the lights and the seven-foot people and the little people, this does not go back to the Native Americans. This is actually something that's only very recently in the 1900s hmm. have been reported about. So this one I don't hold too much clout too, but I do believe, going back to Ancient Aliens, they did do a an episode, uh, of course, that Bigfoot is aliens. I don't know if I believe that, but they did mention something about the various tunnels and the caves, and that that could be how these creatures are moving from various areas around, because <sighs> I also mentioned that there had been some Bigfoot sightings over at Skinwalker Ranch as well. And Skinwalker Ranch, uh, a lot of, had to do maybe with something going on underground that we don't really know about. So I don't know if that's connected with anything. Uh, the reason why they were saying that Bigfoot might be around the Mount Shasta area, in 1955, a giant humanoid footprint was found at the 11 foot at the 11,000 foot level. But then also remember that that one guy said that he met that group living and they are said to be seven feet tall with large footprints. So mm. this is not necessarily, this could 
be the Lemurians, not necessarily Bigfoot. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, though, was in 1962, a woman claims to have seen a Bigfoot give birth high up on the mountain. She saw like, Bigfoot give birth. Yes, Damn. that's what she's that's, like, claiming the sighting, right? to yeah. have seen. Like you literally saw two Bigfoot. Right, that's exactly crazy. one Bigfoot creating another. Is Bigfoot. it Bigfoot or is it Big Feet? Big Feet. Big Feet. Yeah. Yeah. I Bigfoot. That. Did you hear that? Big, big Foot. Yeah. I was like, I was like Bigfoot. Two, two Bigfoot. 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 Big Feet. Yeah. Big. Yeah. I guess it's Big Feet. I don't know. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> yeah. they're never seen together, so they yeah. don't have a word for. Yeah, because it's already soon singular. They'll, soon there'll be that same video, you know, but with two of them. Mm-hmm. You know? Big feet. Oh, What's a group of Bigfoots? <laughs> Big feet. <laughs> um, uh, so there's that. So I, we're kind of getting some similarities with Skinwalker Ranch. We've got the Native American ties to various mystical creatures in the area. Mm-hmm. We have the strange lights that are appearing. And these lights can pretty much be seen by anyone. They were saying people just passing on the train have seen weird lights around Mount Shasta. Uh, we're talking aliens or UFOs that have supposedly been seen in the area. And now Bigfoot as well has been appearing around Mount Shasta. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another thing is that when this is this doesn't seem too supernatural because I think it happens with any natural or any national park is that people have mysteriously gone missing. Hmm. But the theories with this is that people do go searching for the entrance to the the city of Lumeria. Uh, people say that sometimes it's a large doorway that might appear to you, uh, but most of the time when people are invited to go to the city that they're going to stay that it's so wonderful and it's so great that they never want to come back uh, today there are still people that say they have gone to mount shasta mm. and visit the lumerians and have mm. talked to them and they have come back but that it is not uncommon for people to go up into that area and decide to stay in telos because it's so wonderful and beautiful or they just died from exposure because they got lost and it's really cold yeah. up there. Uh, so that is Mount Shasta in the hole. And the wow. Uh, yeah. That's good. Wow. Yeah, that's weird. Very weird. When you kept talking about the fairy people, it reminded me of this YouTuber. His name's Erwin Saunders. Yeah. And he, it has been debated whether or not he's creating these things through CGI, oh. but it's so interesting. He's this old, older man with a beard and he goes in and he's so sweet that according to him or according to people, he's so sweet and he's so nice and calm that the fairy people uh, allow themselves to be seen. And he's caught them on camera numerous times. It's... Oh. Let's see, well, probably that, fictional, but that whole hoax of the girls that said that they were taking pictures oh, yeah, of their yeah, that yeah. um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle totally yeah. believed, yeah, yeah, and it was like in the picture, it's clearly these cutouts, you know, but but at the, the time, people really know. wanted to believe yeah. it. But I'll send you his stuff, okay, I'm sending it to you right now, um, but yeah. 
Yeah, that's pretty crazy. We we definitely should go visit Mount Shasta. At least the waterfalls do those. We don't have to hike up the summit, but they, and I would not want to ever go to the Pluto Cave, but the Panther Meadow, that's where they say that you can have some positive encounters. That's me sending you that. I think that would be fun to go check out. I mean, it was so beautiful up there anyway. It is beautiful. Like, we should totally do that. Yeah. so much fun. But yeah, it's such a huge mountain too. Like, uh, yeah, I'll tell you a story after we're done. About okay. But yep, that's Mount Shasta. Uh, again, today we're I, I will probably go ahead and watch the the live cam when I can. I don't know if I'll be up at midnight, mm-hmm. and I definitely will not be up before dawn. But if I'm around, like at sunset, yeah, or 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 even midnight or close around, see if we can see any lights mm. right, in true. the area. I mean, yeah, if you have the camera, just yeah. So, and it's oh. it's just a beautiful mountain. Mm-hmm. So yeah, go ahead, visit there, camp, be respectful. Yeah, pick up your trash. Pick up your trash. Don't don't be a jerk. Yeah. And so, yep. That's so, the story, and I'm sticking yeah. to it. Uh-huh. Or else the grizzly bears that used to be people there that are probably pissed off about that are going to eat you. Yeah, I think maybe a, the Bigfoot sighting could have easily been maybe a grizzly bear giving birth. Because that's what they say when grizzly bears stand up and they walk around. They look like people. I mean, that, yeah. especially mm. in the, and from the tall, distance, too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. From mm. a distance. That thing looks like a person. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to my weird little podcast. I hope this was informative, at least interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I hope you have new places you want to visit. Go camping. Or Mount Shasta. Go camping. You know, get a cabin. Yeah, but don't mess up the area. If you go down to Peru to the Nazca Lions, don't mess it up for everybody else. Yeah. Like a trash bag. Yeah. All right. Follow us on Instagram at my weird little podcast. Please uh, watch my TikToks at my weird little podcast. You can like us on Facebook. If you do the Facebook, please uh, listen to our sister podcast. Hollywood's haunted the podcast. There'll be uh, new exciting things coming out pretty soon with that podcast. We are going to air a few more episodes and got some fun, exciting collabs going on that are in the workings that I won't talk about yet, but uh, stay weird, be weird, do weird stuff. Ooh. Ooh.